<sighs> well, this is good. Uh, it's good to hear what God's doing and the opportunities that he's given us uh, to serve in the community, show his love in real and practical ways, which is what he's called us to do, and uh, to be equipped in that purpose. We do not subscribe to the idea that the representation of God can be simply expressed in meetings like this or any meetings in buildings. It has to be uh, in engaging in the real world and expressing in real ways something of the, uh, of the reality of the love of God. Uh, and that is uh, part of his commissioning to us. It's as we come together and uh, engage together in a place, from a place of oneness, a place of unity, that we're able to then be more effectively expressing the life and love of God in that way. Good, so we're going to continue looking. Last week we did a bit of a kind of recap uh, on the uh, teaching that we've done so far in, in James. Remember, the significant part about this is not just to gain information, but to enter into the experience. We've talked about training and equipping. Uh, to enter into the experience of what God sets before us there. It would be a very, very limited value simply to gain more understanding or more information. Uh, but, and, and sadly and tragically, would miss the real purpose if we don't actually enter into the good of what's off, on offer. And I want us to look at this today. Remember, we've looked at the issue of godliness, otherwise called the wisdom of God, uh, with a view to gaining more of that, because that's what was on offer, that's what God's got for us, that we actually gain more. We're more like him, we're more accurate representation of him, we carry more of his life and more of his power, and more of his impact. This morning, we're going to take a little time to look at what I want you to see um, and set in the context is an invitation. Uh, we could see it as a threat, we could see it as a warning, but I'd like us to understand it in the context of an invitation, an invitation to trust him uh, in a new way. And the way I'd like us to do that, and, you know, if you're visiting or here for the first time, I don't want you to feel in any way um, awkward or embarrassed. If you don't want to join in things, nobody's going to kind of stare at you and give you a funny look. Well, no more so than we do by naturally looking at you. We can't help our faces, you know, that's how we are. But uh, What I want us to do initially is to get together in groups of five or six, and uh, look at James. Uh, we're looking at verse, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, and do two things. Rephrase it in your own words, group activity, and then uh, raise any questions that you would uh, like kind of that comes to your mind as a result of that. And Jamie's got some uh, post-it notes which you can pick up and just write them on there and uh, then we'll give them back to him and he'll sort them out and we'll 
see where we go from there. So um, if you could get together, uh, you know, if you don't like the people sitting next to you, this is an opportunity to move across the other side of the room. Uh, basically, no more than five or six, yeah? And re-word re those couple of verses in your own words and then raise questions from it. Whose is this one that somebody's written down? Don't get hung up on what you do have or don't have because you're going to die anyway. <laughs> right. Okay. You see why we have to have these teaching sessions, don't you? Life is temporary. Don't put too much value on temporary things. Take pride in eternal things. Eh? You, you want a prize, you say? They just read about not putting their trust in riches and they're asking for a prize. I mean, what can you do? Okay. I am always very, very clear in my communication. Sometimes you don't understand properly, but it's your fault, all right? Okay. You didn't actually have to put this on here, but they're very good. It's the questions that are now beginning to come in. The world's terms of wealth are focused on external manifestations. But God's terms of wealth rest with the humble servant whose eternal wealth will never fail. I've got one. God never fails, and riches are short-lived. That's mine. I did it myself. Not even Jamie did that when I did it. Yes, all right. Anybody else? You don't have to have written it down and submitted it, but if you'd like to sort of say it, if you think it's worth saying. Somebody over here had one worth saying. Put your hand up. Yes, was it David? Mm. No one is discounted by status or, or lack of wealth, but neither are the rich at an advantage. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I was just trying to find a way to say that, Dave, without sort of... Uh, <laughs> I was just pausing a moment. I didn't want to sort of, you know... <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Anybody else want to give us their contribution? Well done, Neil. I noticed when you did it, you were sort of going like that. Is that? Yeah, it's, it's meant for Oh, right, okay. 
It's amazing what you can actually get by coming to these meetings. Oh, my goodness me. All right. How are we doing with the questions, Jamie? Uh, have you got something like, is it wrong to be rich or well off? Have you got that one? Okay. Is it still okay to enjoy riches if you've got them? Yep. Okay. As we've already seen, the, the heart of this, of course, is, is not about actually whether you have riches or don't have riches. It's what you're actually going to put your trust or confidence or reliance upon. And uh, it's important that we, we keep that... Uh, in our mind, uh, very significant. What else you got there? Is, it, is this a kind of invitation to be judging people? Yeah, well, they're rich, so they, you know, in eternal terms, they ain't no good. They're poor, so they've got a chance. You know, judging? No, no, because we're not supposed to be doing that. Do you have to be poor to be humble? Can you be humble and rich? Can you be humble and rich? That's a good one, isn't it? Separates the two things out. Uh, can you be uh, materially... Do you have to be materially poor to be humble? Uh, very, very good, that one, because it helps us to define between uh, what we have and the attitude towards it. The issue is not on what we have or don't have, it's the attitude towards it. I was talking um, with some people uh, in Africa. Uh, we were talking about this kind of situation. I learned something there uh, from one of them, which I thought was very, very interesting. They said, you know, poor is more about how you think than what you've got. And that was quite a while ago. And I've noticed that you can actually have a lot materially and yet still have a mentality of being poor. And you can actually have very little and have a mentality of being rich. And it, in the end, comes down to this thing that God's wanting us to get hold of today, and that is about where our trust is, where our confidence is. The invitation today... I think as we turn into this particular uh, part of God's Word, is an invitation to grow and develop in trusting Him. It's a, it's a recognition that as we turn from other things, as we turn from trusting in anything else, uh, it opens a doorway for us to develop and grow and trust in Him. Does that sound good? The ability to trust God more, knowing, as most of us do, what God is really like, knowing his, our attitude towards us, knowing his competence, knowing really, uh, I mean, 
for most of us here, if somebody asks you the question, is it a good idea to trust God? You would say, yes, it's a very good idea. Actually, that's the, that's the best thing you can do. But to actually grow in that, to actually develop in that, to actually take a step more in that. And this seems to open up the possibility of going that way. Um, how can I take pride in humiliation? Basically comes down again to the fact that if our confidence is in uh, something other than what we have, uh, we're, we're in a place of security, uh, a place of safety in that. Uh, why will the rich pass away? Does James mean their riches will pass away or will they as humans pass away? Uh, well, I think clearly it's talking here about uh, the short-lived value or the limited value. But let's take a step back for a minute and think, if the real things that we need in life could be attained simply by um, struggle power, by our talents, by our riches, by our personality, then the happiest people in the whole world would be those who are rich, or those that are powerful, uh, or those that have plenty. And you don't need me to tell you that that is not the case. Uh, our newspapers, our television news is filled with uh, absolute evidence that that is not the case. Equally, there are many of us who have discovered that um, the true value of life, this stuff called, what do we call it, peace, joy, satisfaction, doesn't come as a result of how much we've got or what we can actually do. That's something that God gives. That's why um, we've turned away from putting our trust in material wealth or in intellectual ability or uh, personality cults. We've turned away from that because we see that actually the, the real stuff that we need only comes from God. That's why I've always seen it to be completely um, perverse to have an objective. You know, we turn away and we trust our eternal life, our real life that goes on forever. We trust God for that. We don't trust in money or material wealth for that. We say, no, that, that can't give us that. You hear all these stories of people getting vast amounts of money or great fame and then ending up um, with early death or misery or breakdown in relationships. I mean, a whole mess. Our, our, our news media is filled with stories like that constantly. So we know that it doesn't come like that. We know that we've turned from that for our life and given our life over to God himself, to live under his rule that we may receive the real things that everybody wants. Peace, joy, satisfaction. Now that, that is what we've chosen. And in choosing that, we've said, you know, the route to this is not through how much we've got or what we can gain. So it always struck me as perverse when um, I came into an understanding 
that this idea of having an objective of one day walking on streets of gold is completely contrary to the value system. Look, I'm saying there's no value in material things. And I used to be singing songs and looking forward to the time when we would walk on streets of gold. Never ever sung a song about walking on a street of concrete or asphalt. It was so much gold that I'm aiming for, so much riches, so much of this material wealth. That was my objective. But it's completely back to front. I've turned from that to trusting God. Then I've got an objective that this is where I'm going. I remember, I've probably told you this before, I remember teaching something on this, and I happened to mention this. I think it was, oh, I don't know. I think it was actually in Rwanda. Um, but it was, it was one of these, these uh, settings in the leaders' meeting. And I said, just as an aside thing uh, in what I was teaching, actually there are no streets of gold, uh, which we, we can get into, but there aren't. Um, and I watched, and it was like this. It was like a shutter came down. You take away my streets of gold, and I don't want to listen to you. Which, of course, is an option that anybody can take, and often people do. But, you know, take away the streets of gold because I'm thinking we're trusting in an eternal God and yet having an objective which is based on material wealth. So we have to be clear on that, and we have to recognize where we are. Do we have time for more or, or not? Okay, we'll come back to some more at the end. All right. Uh, we've got to watch the time as well. So um, we've, we've looked at a few. We'll come back to some more. So f- focusing then on material wealth is a completely wrong value system. Um, and uh, it's not a place where we want to go or allow ourselves ever to go there. Now, for most of you, I think, you, you know, you're understanding that. We just need to kind of remember... Uh, and remind ourselves that that is not where we are. How about this one, though? What about what sometimes is called the cultural divide? Uh, Is it wrong to think uh, people who own their own houses are better than people who rent? See... I've noticed that there can be a bigger issue with what I'm calling cultural differences or cultural barriers than with racial barriers. And we're a people who have been raised up to represent what God is like. God has no barriers. God does not rate people on the basis of what they've got or their background or their social standing. God forbid that we should ever engage in anything that smacks of that at all. And this verse highlights again, there is no place for that in the kingdom of God. God looks for people who will come together under him with his value system that do not embrace the traditional things 
not talking racial, I'm talking cultural, where middle class have one time kind of way and system and working class have another. See, in the kingdom of God, the Bible talks about there's no bond or free. There's no Greek or Jew. There's no separation. There's a place of oneness and a place of unity and a place of harmony and coming together which pleases the heart of God. And God speaks to us against anything that would in any way introduce something which is about the value system of the world that we live in. Cultural divide. The idea that, well, they're a different type or a different class. God accepts us as we are. You know, do you understand that God doesn't require... Um, a whole list of external changes. He requires our heart and our heart attitude and not to trust in anything else. The idea that they don't understand me because they don't struggle. I had a very interesting conversation. Um, I think it was, again, guys overseas. Uh, I said, you know, I don't, I don't live in your culture. But you'd be surprised uh, to know that coming from the so-called rich place, I understand poverty. I understand what it is to grow up without stuff. I understand what it is to actually uh, be in a community where you're not really wanted. And they couldn't comprehend that. So I explained to them, I said, you know what? I knew what it was like to grow up uh, in, a, in a country town, which some of our folks are from now. But it was a country town where my parents had been evacuated and ended up, uh, through no particular skills of their own, with a house. And to grow up with an understanding that there was, there was antipathy, uh, there was... Um, Jealousy, because those people that were evacuated here have got a house. And this actually went through even to the children. So in the class at school, uh, there was a, a kind of almost they're not like us kind of thing. You know, we've we got to understand that we're, we're, we're living in a world where there these values creep in from all sorts of directions and it's not just, <coughs> not just because we're in one country or another. But we have the opportunity to be a kingdom people living from a different life source with a different valuation, a different attitude and then a readiness to approach and to be able to receive people of all types and all classes. I always used to admire the anointing on Richard Cole. Richard Cole could talk to, to kids on the street, could talk to um, people just being released in, uh, from the forces in, in Africa, politicians, government ministers. It never seemed to make any difference to him because, you see, his heart attitude 
was he loved people as they were, not for where they were. He wasn't faced. Um, I was remembering on Hard Talk when Tim Sebastian used to do that, and he was known as the kind of Jeremy Paxman of his day. Uh, and how the BBC said afterwards, we've never seen this before. Tim Sebastian never mixes with the people that he interviews on Hard Talk. But with Richard Cole, he came and sat and talked with him. Because, you see, when there's a different value system, when there's a different attitude, when we're living from a different life source, we have a different way to be able to receive people and approach people. We're not classing people. Well, they're more my class. So let's never, ever be trapped into a thinking, I'm less because I've got less, or I'm less because I come from a different background. That is not kingdom. In as much as it's not kingdom to think that we're more because we come from a more privileged background. Let never, let never the sniff of that be in any way uh, picked up amongst us because that's contrary to the whole attitude, mind and purpose of God. Are we in agreement? Because we want God's system. We want a value system where there's no recognition of cultures. Pride can be expressed through a kind of false humility. Uh, I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. Uh, there's almost, almost a kind of uh, a disguise system. You know, humility is about where we stand. And actually, it doesn't communicate very well if we try to put up a false position. And trying to pretend how humble we are really doesn't work. It has to be something that comes from the heart. Humble, then, is really about um, not building ourselves up. Uh, basically trying to save our lives. You know what the Bible says? If we try to save our life, and this is not about our physical life, if we try to save our life, then we surely will lose it. It's about anything which is to do with trying to look after me because actually, God, I can do a better job than you can. Not a good idea. You know, we talk a lot about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the most important understandings that we have in terms of how we are. And remember... Let me say again, poor in spirit is absolutely nothing to do with what we have in terms of material possessions. Nothing to do with money. It's to do again with an attitude, the recognition that outside of God and what he gives me and what he provides for me and the life he gives and the power that he releases, I don't have anything of any value. Nothing that I have commends me to God. That I didn't do anything to earn his love. He decided, he gave, he provides his one and only son. It's all about what he does, not about what I do. So humble is about recognizing, you know, I can do nothing. In Christ I can do all things, but outside of that I can do nothing. Humble, if you like, is not about building ourselves up. And you know we can build ourselves up by saying, oh, you know, I'm not... I'm really not that good. 
with the hope that somebody's going to say, of course you are. Well, really I'm not worth this. And somebody might say, you really are. It's a manipulative thing. Manipulative things are not to do with kingdom. That's to do with, with this world. You see, there is a danger that riches can, um, can kind of be a, a full support system, can cushion us against where we feel vulnerable. Instead of trusting God, we could actually take hold of a variety of different things that would kind of sort to protect us or provide for us. We'll have a look. Okay, so uh, Jeremy's running a little bit late because he's getting ready to come play tennis with me, but maybe, Gem, if you're ready, you can come out now. Oh, there you are. Right, um, so, Jim, um, it's, it's not what I see Andy Murray wearing. What, what's, your th what, what's the idea behind this? Oh, oh this, um, yeah, basically, uh, when you play tennis with me, you hit the ball quite hard, so I thought I'd, I'd get some protection. Right, okay, and you think you're going to be able to play like that? Okay, all right, well, um, Let's get the uh, PowerPoint up, and if we can do. So, one of the things that we saw when we were looking at this passage was we, we like to cushion ourselves with riches. Where we feel vulnerable, where we feel exposed, instead of relying on God, we rely on our ability to cushion ourselves. So, let me give you an example. Let's, if we can get the camera to pick this up. All right, this one here. Now... I liked the example that Rachel Turner, when she, gave, uh, when she was with us, she said, I realized that I could write such a good youth program that God didn't need to show up for it still be to, to be regarded as success. People would leave thinking that was fantastic, and no one met with God. And we're vulnerable when we're waiting to meet with God. We're, we're completely dependent on Him turning up. But we can cushion ourselves from that vulnerability by... In her by having talent. Can you see that? Okay. Oh. Okay. So that, that's one of the cushions that, that, that we can put, one of the riches that we can put on ourselves. So, um, why don't I just put my mobile phone? Put it in my hand. Bam. So, I want you to think about what are some of the riches that you cushion yourself with? to stop you being vulnerable. I'm going to ask a few people here. Um, where's Pax? Pax. Wait, Andrew, you've you got to do a run for me. Um, I have noticed that sometimes I've gone to interviews in the past and I so expect to get the job because I'm too good for the role. So I'm looking at my experience. So I've got reaches of experience. I think I, uh, I've got the qualifications. So I'm like, why are you even interviewing me? You should, be just, you should just be giving me the role. So there's that sense of thinking, I don't really need God to help me get this job. 
I'm really good for this role. Great. Okay. So experience, um, achievements. Okay. Now let's. Oh, Andrew, you can't put it away yet. I still got. Send you over to Charlotte. You got one? No. Okay. Not to Charlotte. Martin. <laughs> well, I was thinking that some of the riches that I might have um, would be a really sort of excellent personality and um, charisma and things like that. And, and, and people that know me know how I love to go to parties and stand there <laughs> being the centre of attention and, and therefore I could be gaining all my, my value from those people because they see my personality. <laughs> my charisma. So they're the riches that I could be relying on okay. that could just fall apart at any moment. BH. <laughs> right. I'm going, to spell, I'm going to write so ugly you can't tell that I misspelled it. Okay, charisma. There's something else we can rely on. Okay, uh, Jolie. Where's Jolie? Jolie, come on. Over there, Andrew. Hmm. For me, I could rely in the past. I used to be like, I used to rely on my husband, absolutely everything. But God shows me now, I should trust in Him. Okay, okay, so relying on others. Okay, that can be. Relying on, on our parents for financial support, relying on our, our spouses, even relying on our children for, for acceptance and love. Okay, um, let's go to Grant. Um, I've been teaching quite a long while, and I uh, guess I rely on my own sort of capabilities in dealing with some very difficult young people but um, I'm in a position where I, I have to now much more trust in God because they, they go beyond my capabilities and there was um, a particularly young man who was very violent and very troubled and um, I used my behaviour management skills as far as I could with this young man but I just felt prompted by God that I needed to write him a note to say that um, you're going to be a leader, you're going to use the energy that you've got, you're going to use it positively, and there's going to be hope for you, and I want you to be my head boy. Now, I don't know what happened to him in the future. He left school s shortly after that, but I just felt I could either have just relied on my own skills or uh, gone that second mile and asked God, what is it with this young person? And if I can just give you one other example as well... Um, Recently, one of the boys swore at me in front of all the staff and in front of all the, all the kids in the playground. And I excluded him and I got the carer in and everything. And he wrote an apology and so on. But I knew that he didn't really mean the apology. But I just felt challenged to, to say to him that um, actually you humiliated me in front of all the staff and all the pupils. And the way that you need to put that right is to actually speak in front of all the staff and all the pupils and apologise properly. Now, I knew that this is 
confrontation. You can't, you can't do that. I can't do that. But actually, I believe God answered that prayer because I, I, I prayed and asked that God would allow him to do this. And he actually did this. And uh, at break time, he, 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 he came out and he said in front of the staff and the students, sorry, sorry for saying that to you, sir. And I think that that was something that was at work in him about repentance and a change in him that I could have just said, oh, well, you've, you've written your apology, you've done your exclusion, end of the story. But actually, not just relying on my ability, but seeing is there, another, is there something else deeper that God wants to do in these young lives? Right. Okay, so, Grant, you, you got you got some good answers even ahead of what I needed there, but that's great. So I'm going to put down skills for you because that was what you're going to rely on, but... You've, you've actually given us some stuff for later on as well. Okay, and Claire? Is Claire actually? Ah, Claire. It's very similar to what's already been said, but in terms of um, like doing invaders, um, before I had children, I was a teacher, and so I find it quite easy to plan a session like I would plan a lesson, and it would be quite easy for me as well to them to do that but from kind of a, oh, I, can, I know how to do this, I can do it, rather than uh, looking to God and asking God, what do you want us to do during this session? Great. Okay, so I'm going to put the slightly different um, comfort zone. So we rely on the areas that we're most comfortable with. Okay, so thank you, Andrew. Very good. Um, so here are some, some examples of being cushioned with riches. Now, I did a few earlier on the table on the next slide. Right, so the first one I just, I just mentioned to you, which was uh, Rachel Turner's story that she could rely on her talents. Another one, finance. Sometimes we can rely on our bank. We can be saying, oh, well, it, I've got enough to give money to, for Julio. But it's not a faith position. It's a logic position. Reassurance from others. I think Martin's personality, that, that over-exuberant joy and energy brings to everyone. Um, Personality, Nathan always used to do this with, with mum, can't tell me off because you're laughing. Very annoying. Um, but we can rely on our personality to get us through challenge after challenge. Next one. Okay, and our character. You met those kind of people that, well, I, I won't let it happen to me, I'm going to make it happen. And you're like, well, I've, it's almost a, an arrogance that comes up, I, I will make it happen. Manipulation. I don't know if you've ever been manipulated or experienced being manipulated, but it's that um, being played. That, well, if I say this thing, I'll get the result that I want. And looks, I mean, that's one for me, obviously. Um, just award with a smile and get what I need every time. Um, so, Jeremy, thank you very much. Changeover is a little bit slower than in the past. I tried that looks thing with my winning smile, but it didn't really work. <laughs> All right, you're getting the point. Actually, none of these things in themselves are wrong. Not, money's not wrong. Uh, being talented or clever's not wrong. Uh, having personality, not wrong. So on and so forth. 
It's when we place our trust or use them to protect or support ourselves rather than placing our trust in God. That's where it gets wrong. In themselves, saying that rich is not wrong, it's when we are trusting those things. Um, and when we're using it to help us to kind of take control in a situation, either to make things go faster or slow them down, uh, so that we, we want to determine the timing uh, of something as against resting in what God wants, being in that place of relying on Him. Either getting things to move quicker or to somehow take control. Uh, to help us in that, we've got a clip which Jamie is going to introduce to us, explain to us, so tell us about, because it's way beyond my understanding. So th this clip is from Minority Report, and the point that, that we're going to join the movie um, the, the main guy, Tom Cruise's character, is running away with a precog, and a precog can see the future. And so the whole thing is about trying to uh, escape from the police that are coming after them. So just think about vulnerability and how you'd feel in this situation. So in that, in that video clip there, you, if you're thinking in Tom Cruise's position, how vulnerable you'd feel... And he was a fast runner. All of his movies he runs fast. So he could have run fast. He could have relied on lots of different things. But he had to rely on what God, or what the, what the woman was doing, what the woman was telling him to do at that point in time. Trusting in God rather than anything that we can do or anything that we have. I think Joyce Mayer in one of her books puts this a very good way. The proud man runs in the strength of his own flesh and tries to make things happen in his own timing. The humble man waits patiently. He has a fear of moving in the strength of his own flesh. Humility says, God knows best and he won't be late. The invitation is, God's holding out to us to bring us into an increase place of trust, place of rest, place of abiding in Him. Actually, as we do that, it opens the door to know more about what God is like. And if we don't do that, it reveals that we don't really know uh, what He's like. We don't know Him. Uh, we're, we're not in that place of, of trust. Kind of like a story that Jamie gave me. I don't know where from. It goes like this. I went out to lunch today. I noticed an old man sitting on a park bench sobbing his eyes out. I stopped and asked him what was wrong. He told me I have a very good wife at home. She rubs my back every morning, gets up, makes me pancakes and bacon and fresh fruit and freshly ground coffee. I continued and said, well, why are you crying then? And then he went on to say, you know, she makes me homemade soup for lunch and my favorite bread and she cleans the house and 
watches the sport on TV with me for the rest of the afternoon. And I said, well, why are you crying? And he said, I get for dinner, she makes gourmet meals and with wine and my favourite dessert, and then we cuddle until the small hours. Well, then why in the world would you be crying? He said, I can't remember where I live. Yeah, I, I always said, when I, when I grow up, I wanted to be a preacher. And a preacher has a joke, a poem, and three points, isn't they? <laughs> a serious point of that is that, because if we don't know him, don't take that, make that choice to trust him. We never come into the greater place of really knowing what he's like. It's, it's taking that, that step. And the tragedy uh, is if we really don't know him, we can't trust him. First step is he draws us. The next step is our response to yield to him. And the way we do that is we turn from trusting in anything else to trust in him. Not a question of getting rid of abilities or money or anything like that. It's the ability to actually say, I recognize that outside of him, true issues, true things of life are not mine. I choose my own destiny. choose my path to get there. My destiny may be how much I've got. My pathway may be the job that I'm choosing. Verse goes on to say, you know, these things... Are, are very temporary. They don't last. But godly character, the life of God, is eternal. Otherwise, we're on kind of like a treadmill. I must get the best mark in the exam, and after that, I must get promotion at work, and then I must get that car, and then I must get this, and then I must get that. Never satisfied. Never having God's peace and joy. Never learning patience. Never having word which you don't use a lot, contentment. Contentment. The Bible talks about contentment. It speaks of a place of rest. Now, what to do is if you find you're discontented, you've got to begin to swing this the other way around and say, hmm, does that mean I'm putting my trust in something else? That's the way to actually take it, to apply it, and to actually use it. Of course, the issue of trusting in other things means that it can let us down. I think I told you before, when I was stockbroking, I had this, I had lots of clients, very rich. A lot of them were uh, rich, uh, what I call rich on paper. But the richest man that I ever had as a client wasn't just rich on paper. He, he was uh, exceedingly rich. And I always remember him as one of the saddest characters I ever met. Because he, although he was probably richer than most, uh, he was in constant fear that someone was trying to take advantage of him, rip him off, or get his money. 
And I thought, you know, this guy would have been a lot happier if he didn't have all that he's got. Because all that he's got is causing him to wanting to hang on tighter than ever before. I worked, uh, when I first uh, worked on the investment side, um, with a, a partner uh, who I got on with very well. Uh, he was one of the partners of the firm. And I always thought, again, uh, he was somebody that was living to a culture uh, and to an expectation that he wasn't comfortable in. Uh, if he could have been real uh, and uh, been allowed to choose his own route, he would have chosen a different route. To actually live to something which is pushed upon us rather than something which we have embraced from our own heart which simply doesn't work in terms of eternal issues. There's a great safety in trusting in him. And there's an invitation to come and trust in him. And I want, you know, as we come to worship, we've just looked at this this morning. We're trying to uh, work together so that we access something. Not just so that we know something, but so that we access something. And the invitation, I believe, from God today is, would you like to come to a place of trusting me more? Would you turn from anything else? Would you let me search your heart to see if there's something else which you're putting some trust in? Whether it's any of the things that we've listed and put on the, on the cushions, whether it's that or anything else. Are you prepared to turn from that, to repent of that, so that you might come into a new place of reliance on me, which is the doorway to coming to know me better? It's a doorway into the place of my presence, a doorway into what I actually have for you so that you might enjoy more of trusting me. Let's, let's make a response to him as we come into worship and as we consider just what he's like.